ladies and gentlemen, boys and girls, mothers of all ages. Welcome to an all-new edition, Friday edition of Tapped In, brought to you from the KCPN, Kansas City Public Network studios in Taps on Main, best wings in the city, phenomenal beer selection, get your ass down to Taps on Main to celebrate this weekend here in Kansas City. I thought I forgot about you, didn't you? Yeah, uh-huh, no, I did not. You know who might have forgotten about you a little bit, though? Our Royals. Man, it's uh, some rough sledding there, folks. I'm just going to dive right in. It's not pretty for our Royals lately. We have now fallen to 16 and 14 after we were 15 and 8 just a week ago. We are now 16 and 14. We are in third place. Five game losing streak, lost six of seven. It is not pretty. And we unfortunately just suffered a, wa- a, a four-game sweep by at the hands of the Cleveland Indians. And now we have the, well, it's now second place because after their sweep, the Indians took first place. Now we have to deal with the second-place Chicago White Sox coming into Kansas City this weekend. So, man, I was hopeful that Brady Singer could uh, turn things around on Wednesday night. And it looks like he did. I was He had to go up against the K, the K champion, the K master, the defending Cy Young winner, strikeout leader, uh, Shane Bieber. And Bieber, he outdueled. Singer outdueled Bieber. He looked great. Hunter Dozier got an early home run. Royals were kind of scrapping together some runs there, here and there. Put four up on Bieber. You put four up on the defending Cy Young winner, you think you're probably going to win. And the Royals were on track to win on Wednesday night. And then somebody who I already complained about a little bit on Wednesday for some of the, uh, I'll just say some of the bullshit that had happened earlier in the series on Monday and Tuesday night. Well, Angel Hernandez and his bullshit reared its ugly head once again on Wednesday night when in the sixth inning, still can't really figure out how this happened. With two men on, Jose Ramirez was up to bat, uh, Cleveland slugger Jose Ramirez, and Hernandez said that he got hit by a pitch. And so the Royals challenged. Went to review, talked to the Hernandez and his company, his crew talked to uh, talked to the crew up in New York and MLB headquarters, and they decided there wasn't enough evidence to show that he had not been hit. Folks, you could see anybody who was watching that game, anybody who could see the different angles at replay, it didn't they said it may have hit his jersey. It didn't hit squat. If it hit anything, it was the bat. And even that would have been by like the, the most small millimeters of millimeters. It didn't hit anything other than the bat, possibly, which that should have been an out because it landed right in Salvi's glove. And instead, they uphold it, and the very next batter is Eddie Rosario, and he hits a two-run double. And that uh, just that was, that was crap. A lot of people were pissed off. After that, uh, Singer walked uh, Fran Mill Reyes, and then he was called for a balk that advanced Ramirez to third and Reyes to second, and that was just when all of a sudden, it just that was the final, that was the match on the powder keg. The powder keg had been filling up over the course of the, the series so far. That was the match right there because all of a sudden you had Matheny up in arms. You had Singer up in arms. You had the K raining down booze on Hernandez and his umpiring crew, justifiably so. 
And then you have Cal Eldred continuing, Royals pitching coach, Cal Eldred continuing to bark from the dugout. And Matheny goes out there. He has his words with Hernandez. He goes back to the dugout. All of a sudden, you see Hernandez point to the dugout, toss somebody. He tossed Eldred. Eldred comes out a man on fire. Matheny's holding him back. And the, 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 the booze just continue to come down from that from the, the Royal faithful. Eldred is tossed. He leaves. Matheny gets in his face a second time. Well, this time, Hernandez apparently didn't like what Matheny had to say. Matheny gets tossed. So after that hell, that happened, Josh Naylor had a uh, run-scoring ground out, and interim manager at that point, uh, Pedro Griffel, the uh, Royals bench coach, decided to go and pull Singer after five and two-thirds. On Singer's way back to the dugout, Singer had some choice words for Hernandez as well, and Singer himself got tossed as well. Now, Singer is known to have quite the temper. That was something that people knew about him at Florida when he was pitching at uh, the University of Florida. He still got that fire, folks, and he showed that, and he, he came after him. He, he should not have been charged with three runs there. I mean, yes, by the book, he was charged. He was rightfully charged with three runs. But you're looking now at the third, even fourth different occasion in this series in which Angel Hernandez just completely flubbed up. I mean, he even admitted that the, the situation that happened on Tuesday – in which Salvi, with men on second and third, had hit a ball out to the warning track, bounced off the warning track, and caromed into an outfielder's hand, outfielder's glove, was called out upon review, was called safe, or was called a hit. Salvi was given an RBI single, but the man on second, Benintendi, was not allowed to score, was just placed at third, even though that would have been a two-run double at the very least, or maybe just a two-run single, but it scores two runs either way. Hernandez came out after the game and he admitted that, yeah, I, I lost it in the glare of uh, the from the scoreboard, and I just guessed. I guess I, I suppose I guessed wrong. He made a guess. Okay, so Hernandez, after screwing the Royals and admitting as much, essentially after the game on Tuesday, then comes out and decides just to continue to hand it to the Royals. So, uh, man, I. I talk on here and I talk on the tailgate about being better, and I know I've come after NFL officials, and I've come after, I don't know how many times I've come after umpires, but that's what I'm doing today. Because Angel Hernandez, you are the worst umpire in baseball, and it's about time you walk away. So just get the hell out of our game, because in the, <laughs> the game will be a lot better without you in it. And so then from there, that was a, that made it for a 4-3 Royals lead still. And then, unfortunately, the bullpen gave up a solo home run to uh, Jose Ramirez. Strikes again. Royal killer Jose Ramirez in the eighth inning solo shot to tie it. Josh Naylor, a solo shot in the ninth to put Cleveland up 5-8. Or, I'm sorry, 5-4. to four. And then the Indians struck out, I believe it was eight of the last 11 batters. 11 Royal batters, they struck out. It might have ended up being like 11 out of the last – I think it was 11 out of the last 14, actually, that they struck out. They just absolutely – they handed it to the Royals after Bieber left. And Bieber, for his on, – on, to his credit, he extended his now major league record of games, consecutive starts with at least eight strikeouts. He has now extended it to 19 after he struck out nine Royals on Wednesday night. Uh, having already surpassed Randy Johnson's previous record of 17. So he's at 19. So the kid's pretty good. He's pretty good. He might be the best Bieber out there in the world now. He might have even surpassed 
his cousin, I don't know if they're cousins or not. I'm just throwing that out there. I don't know how many Beavers are out there, but Shane's doing a little bit better than Justin at this point. Although Justin probably has a lot more money. So I don't know. I guess we'll call it a wash. <laughs> um, and then yesterday they had a, they, they finished out the series Cleveland and Kansas city did with a day game and the Indians just four to nothing. I mean, there's the Royals offense was anemic as it has been in far too many games this year. They couldn't get anything going. Danny Duffy went out and had his worst start of the season, and his worst start of the season was still five and two-thirds, eight hits, one walk, six strikeouts, three earned. Up to ZRA to, holy crap, ballooned all the way up to 1.26. I don't know, folks. Duffy might be struggling. Well, I don't know, but it's a shame in that in what is still a good start. That is still listed as a good start by Danny Duffy, and the offense just couldn't do anything to support him, something that us Royals fans are all too familiar with. So now the Royals, yes, as I said, they have fallen to 16-14. and 14. They are in third place in the American League Central behind the 17-13 and 13 Cleveland Indians and the 16-14, and 14, I'm sorry, 16-13 and 13 Chicago White Sox. White Sox now coming into Kansas City, as I mentioned before. And the pitching matchup doesn't get any easier tonight with Brad Keller on the mound for Kansas City. He of the 2-3 and three record and 8.06 ERA against Carlos Rodon for the White Sox, who ha- is 4-0 with a sterling 0.72 ERA. So it doesn't get any easier against the White Sox. The presumed American League champions uh, before the season started, that was the prediction. A lot of talent, very strong pitching staff. We will see what happens there. Hopefully the Royals can get the ship righted tonight. Uh, and hopefully Brad Keller can get his season righted tonight as well. We shall see. Tune in to the Royals and White Sox tonight. So I'm sitting here talking some baseball. I've Obviously, I've, I've talked so much football of late. Uh, we are going to continue talking with some baseball. And there's a really cool story that has developed recently in the baseball world that I don't think has gotten enough attention. And it's something I would like to talk, talk about because we are approaching uh, next month is Men's Health Awareness Month. And a large part of that is the mental health of the male population. And obviously mental health for everybody is something that needs to be paid attention to. But this is a story that we're going to really get into that really, really hits home how important mental health is. And so it's the story of a uh, 29-year-old man, baseball player, named Drew Robinson. So Robinson was one of the members of the vaunted prospect group from Las Vegas in 2010. This is a group that included Bryce Harper, who he was so huge in that 2010 class. He was on the cover of Sports Illustrated at 16 years old, two years earlier. Chicago Cubs star third baseman Chris Bryant was also part of that 2010 Vegas baseball recruiting class. So was Drew Robinson. Robinson was drafted in the fourth round of the 2010 draft by the Texas Rangers. He was the second in his family. His older brother, Chad, had already been drafted by the Milwaukee Brewers four years earlier in the 06 draft. And his brother was supposed to be the star. He was kind of following in his brother's footsteps. Uh, and it was one of those things where he just kept on trying to grab that brass ring, grab that, grab that rung that his brother had already surpassed. And once they were both in the once they were both in minor league baseball, 
things started to change a little bit. Chad kind of scuffled, whereas Drew, it took him a long time. It took him seven years, but Drew finally did actually get to make the majors, whereas Chad never did. Um, <clears throat> and so it, it took him until, again, it took him seven years, but in the 2017 opening day for the Texas Rangers, he was able to text his family, text his father, I did it. And he, after a long journey, and that's something that so many who have played the game of baseball can tell you is just just getting to the show, just getting a cup of coffee in the show, as the term is, is a triumph in itself. And so he did so, made the opening day roster, and then got sent down. And this started a journey of the next couple of seasons in which he was up and down. He made the 2018 opening day roster again with the Rangers, but was constantly up and down, up and down. And he started to wonder, is it even worth it? And this is something that there had been a great deal of self-doubt and questioning in his past that developed from his childhood. And so when he was, uh, when he was seven years old, he tells the story, and his mother tells the story, of when he was seven years old, he went to Walmart and bought his mother a little ring made of of, gl of uh, glass and metal, cheap metal, for $7.77. And his mother wore that literally until the thing fell apart. And once it did fall apart, she went to a jeweler, had it, uh, had it made up to a sturdier version, and it is something that she still wears to this day. And whenever she puts it on, she always thinks about her mischievous son and her the things that her son did. I mean, he was seven years old. It was... He, he loved animals. He was, he was just a really good kid. But around this time was when his folks were getting divorced. And as so many children of divorce do, he asked the questions. What did I do? Why is mom mad at me? Is there something wrong with me? That's why you see the efforts of so many, whether it's the parents or grandparents or aunts, uncles, family, friends, siblings, in any case, just anybody who can trying to tell kids like, hey, this is not your fault. But this is something that it started a series of self-questioning with him and a lot of self-doubt. And so this leads into what happened in his baseball career. And in uh, December of 2018, he got traded to the St. Louis Cardinals organization and, again, he, he did make the majors. He, he made it to the big league club at one point. But it's just after scuttling, after essentially three years of scuttling back and forth between the majors and AAA, he was actually released for Major League Baseball, released by the Cardinals on August 28, 2019. He signed a minor league deal with the San Francisco Giants in January of 2020. And when he had his had his interview with the staff, the front office staff there in San Francisco, and they asked him some questions. He openly admitted, I struggle with self-confidence a lot. But he was there getting ready for spring training. Spring training was started. And then, as we all know all too well, in March of last year, the world shut down. When COVID, the COVID-19 pandemic truly started to take effect, and something that all of us felt, all of us were affected by, the world just completely shut down. 
And so for somebody who was already struggling with self-doubt and was que- had so many questions in his mind of his own self-worth, that was terrible. He was going through this, this girlfriend of his for years that had been on and off. Finally, things were off. He couldn't reach out to her. He wanted her to come visit him. She said no. She needed to work on herself. And she realized that she needed to fix herself at this point in time. And it left him isolated. And it left him to his own devices. And so on April 16th, Drew Robinson wrote a suicide note. He had, after having spent the past month alone due to the pandemic, it had just gotten too much for him. And so in this suicide note, one of the things he said to his loved ones is, I hope that you guys will realize that no one could have seen this coming to prevent it because of how hard I try to hide it and that it is no one else's fault. I'm sorry, Drew Robinson. At 5 o'clock that day, he left the note on a kitchen counter, on the kitchen counter of his apartment. And he had planned, originally he said he wanted to die in his truck, and he planned on getting in his truck, driving to a local park, and shooting himself. Ultimately, he decided he didn't want to die in the truck. He went back inside of his apartment, and at 8 p.m., put the trigger against his right temple, or put the gun against his right temple, and he pulled the trigger. A few minutes later, he was still conscious, very confused. What am I still doing here? <laughs> How I'm, I'm alive. 30 minutes passed. He started to try to stem the bleeding, tried to take a shower, fell down in the shower, hit the wound, tried to brush his teeth, realized the irony of trying to brush, trying to brush one hole in his head while he just opened up another hole in his head um and he went to bed and he woke up at 7 a.m the next morning finally the pain set in and hours went by and he started to he started to think about the future and he wondered if by thinking about the future that meant that he was trying to survive and three times finally he said i want to live and so he called 911 at 3.44 p.m. And the ambulance pulled away 15 minutes later, just shy of 4 o'clock. And there was an officer on the scene that literally said, that's crazy that he's still alive after 20 hours after he'd shot himself. And so once he was in the hospital, People had started to, there had been worries. People had been reaching out to him. Those close to him, those loved ones had been reaching out to him. And his brother, Chad, eventually caught wind of it. And somebody texted Chad, is Drew okay? And Drew heard from a friend, I'm sorry, Chad contacted a friend that that knew what was happening. And this friend divulged the information. Chad called the hospital and they patched him into the room. And Drew told him, I'm meant to be alive, Chad. I'm meant to be alive. I'm meant to be alive. Sorry, I have to. <laughs> um, after the procedure was done, the these doctors discovered that the bullet had ruptured his right eye. And it went through the ethmoid sinuses, fractured the frontal sinus, missed arteries, 
missed the left orbital, orbital floor and exited just above the left cheek. It was the doctors were shocked that it didn't hit the left orbital bone, didn't affect it at all. And it's a miracle. I mean, it's insane. He was, after spending a couple weeks in the hospital, he eventually was able to gain back. He, he struggled with his peripheral vision for a while, but eventually he was able to function. And he went to, a couple weeks later, he went to a eye specialist and had a prosthesis made of this woman who she literally, he was able to watch her do this, create this work of art that was directly molded from his left eye, caught the brightness in his eye, caught the energy, and had it, had this prosthesis made, and it fit perfectly. And he said afterwards that this represents my new look on life. I haven't seen things this clear my entire life. And from there, he started working much more on himself, and he would write in his journal to help him come back from this journey. And he always ended it, his journal entries, with, I love myself, and I love my life. So he was he felt this tremendous love, and it was something that he said he felt immediately after the surgery was over. And not only did he feel this love, he felt the need to share this love. And as he said, I will never hold back from asking or telling someone, even if, even if it's something simple. Just tell them. People want to help you. Professionals want to help you. So many people in this world are willing to help anyone going through these things. It might be a specific situation that makes, that makes it feel like you're alone, but you're never alone. And he said, think about it. Not everyone can do it. Sorry, I have to, I'm, these are good quotes. This is just, this is really heartfelt quotes. And so literally what he said is think about it. Not everyone can do it. So if not everyone can do it, but some people can, that's just like having a strength. So why can't it be a strength? Why can't it be something people are proud of? I reached out to someone today. I told him how I felt and I felt really good. Why can't that be a strength? And <laughs> it's amazing because out of that strength that he developed from this, when he started talking to his family and his friends, and he had a close group of friends, five friends that he told the, when he wrote the suicide note, he had five friends that he said he loved. And it ended up being him consoling everybody else. And he was telling those around him, his mother, his father, his brother, his sister, he was telling everybody he loved that it wasn't their fault and that they needed to forgive themselves. And his brother, being the older brother, I'm an older brother too, you feel a need to protect your younger sibling. And that is something where his brother told him it's going to be okay. And he saw this strength in his younger brother he'd never seen before. And the two of them hugged for the first time in, since their childhood, since they were kids. And so this journey carries on to he decided he wanted to play baseball again. And so October 21st of last year, he took batting practice for the first time outdoors. And he continued to keep in touch with the Giants, even to a point where on September 9th that season, with, on, which was the day before uh, World Suicide Prevention Day, 
he has to speak with the Giants players and staff. And these players came away after what he had to say about his new outlook on life, saying, that's, that's the toughest, strongest guy I've ever met. And so, but again, he wanted to play again, and he started off playing at shortstop, only having one eye. It just, it wasn't, it wasn't working right, so they moved him to the outfield, and his comfort returned, and his offensive production ticked up. And he, that led him to this spring, he was in spring training with them, and a journey to make it to the major leagues. Last player with one eye to play in the major leagues was in 1957, a player by the name of Whammy Douglas. It's been over 60 years. The cool part that happened was with now the AAA season opening, the Giants AAA affiliate, the Sacramento River Cats, took him on. They, they assigned him to their AAA roster. He made the AAA opening day roster. And last night, for the first time since before he attempted suicide, he played in a, he played in a, in a live, actual baseball game that mattered. He went 0 for 4, but the fact that he played in the first place, that he overcame all of this, shows the power of the human spirit and what we are capable of triumphing over. And his journey is far from over. He reached a big milestone. And I'm not saying he's going to be the first since Wamey Douglas, first guy with one, eye, with one eye to play in the majors. But he took a big step towards it. But he's already taken the biggest step of all. And that's coming away from a situation in which he wanted to kill himself and end it all and got that second chance and decided to share it, not just share it, but to spread love and to try and make the world a better place, try to help others that need help. And that is something that is in far too short supply in this world because it's there are so many of us that we walk up to that ledge and we look into the abyss. And when the abyss looks back at us, we step over it. Second chances are hardly ever given in those situations. Drew Robinson was given that second chance. For whatever reason, when he stepped over that ledge into the abyss, the abyss said no. Or maybe... Whatever you want to believe, maybe a higher power reached down and told the abyss no. I'm not here to preach religion or say anything on that. But I think what undoubtedly did happen is he was meant to have a second chance. And it seems he is making the most of it by helping, by promoting mental health awareness. And by saying, again, just the things that he said, is if you, it is a strength just to tell somebody how you're doing or to ask how you're doing. Like, that's, in a world where we love our Marvel and DC superheroes, that is a true superpower. It's to check in on someone, see how they're doing. It's just, it's literally the simplest question. How are you doing? And not only can it make someone's day, but it can literally be the difference between life and death for people on certain days. And again, June is Men's Health Awareness Month. There's no, no cause ever to not try and help someone with mental health. There's no reason not to ask for help. 
And that's something you're going to see us continue on here at the Kansas City Public Network very soon. Our own Kingston Robinson is actually has a wonderful, awesome, awesome project coming up. That it's a new show he's going to do that really dives into men's mental health awareness. And I, I for one, can't wait to see what he has to say. I've already seen a little bit, and we've we've talked at length, and it's it's going to be special. And because that's that's something that there's not enough light shed on this. We all need help sometimes. There's absolutely no shame in asking for it. And there's even more admirable. It's it's even more admirable when you just ask the question to somebody if they need help, or just ask them how they're doing. Never forget that. You never know. You're not walking in somebody else's shoes. You never know what they're what they're dealing with on a day to day basis. And so it simply just goes along with you know what we preach here at KCP and what I preach here on Tapped In. And along with Darren and Ty on the tailgate, we want people to be better. Asking somebody how they're doing is one way to make the world a better place. Speaking of making the world a better place, like Drew Robinson is trying to do, Sunday is Mother's Day. And that's moms are heroes. Mother's Day is such an wonderful day to celebrate you should celebrate your moms every day but mo- but this sunday in particular go say hi to your mom do something for your mom you know if go be with your mom if you can if you can't try and be better and go be with your mom and if you really can't can't because they're not here but maybe they're here instead just remember everything that your mother did for you to get you to where you are today and made you the person you are today Remember all the wonderful times. Just be grateful for moms because <laughs> they're the best thing, <laughs> best thing in the world. Um, so I want to wish a very happy Mother's Day to all the mothers in my life, to all the mothers out there who watch today. Um, you're awesome, and just thank you, and just keep being wonderful mothers. So, And love your moms, folks. Love your moms. This has been Tapped In. I am Duncan Kaminsky. Thank you for tuning into this Friday edition. Y'all have a wonderful, wonderful weekend. Again, mothers, have a wonderful Mother's Day on Sunday, and I will see you all next week.